Well, they say that tough times never last, but tough people do. My uh, middle school cross-country coach used to drill this into our heads as uh, eighth graders, and uh, we would just say this mantra to ourselves as we're running through the race, uh, whether we, you know, we hit like a big hill or something like that. But it seemed like always uh, about halfway through the race, I'd always get like a cramp on my side or I would hit some sort of wall. Uh, that would prevent me from running my best race. Sometimes I, I would just throw up. Sometimes I'd pass out. Sometimes I'd get lost. Uh, doesn't matter what it was, is I'd hit these different walls. And if I let those walls stop me, I wouldn't be able to run my best race. Now, here's the thing about walls, is I think that we hit walls in our life too. In the movie that we're looking at today called Pursuit of Happiness, a guy named Chris Gardner hits wall after wall after wall. And uh, this movie takes place in the 1980s uh, in San Francisco where Chris is a salesman. And what he's done is he's taken all of his life savings, he's invested into these portable bone density scanners. Now the only problem is is that he begins to have a lot of trouble getting getting rid of these bone density scanners. Let's check out this first clip. So Chris is having some trouble uh, getting rid of these bone density scanners, to say the least. So he begins to, to think about uh, a new career one day when he runs into a guy on the street that says he's a stockbroker. Well, Chris kind of likes this idea, and he starts mulling it over in his head. He even talks to it about it with his wife, and this really only angers him. She says, focus on the, the bone density scanners. And so he's having trouble selling them. The bills begin to pile up. The rent is piling up. And uh, eventually, this causes so much frustration that his wife, Linda, leaves and uh, moves to New York City, leaving Chris to take care of his son, Christopher, all by himself. Well, It just keeps piling up one wall after another. Chris says, okay, I think I'm going to apply for this internship. So he sets up an interview, and then he gets kicked out of his apartment. And his his landlord says, look, you can stay another week if you paint your apartment, but then you got to go. So Chris is painting his apartment, and another wall hits. And uh, he, he is approached by the police who take him into jail for the night. And Chris is stuck in jail in his paint clothes the night before his interview over at Dean Witter. Well, he has to stay the night, and uh, the next morning he pulls out a check and uses the last of his funds uh, to, to pay off these parking t- tickets and get out of jail, and he is forced to run straight to his interview over at Dean Witter. So let's catch up with Chris and see how his interview goes. So fortunately for Chris, he's able to win the guys over at Dean Witter, and he lands the internship, Uh, but it's unpaid, and this really begins to cause some problems for him, and the real walls begin to hit. Uh, Chris ends up, uh, he still owes money from his taxes, and uh, he's been pushing that off, he's been pushing that off, and finally, that money is seized from his account, and now he's really broke. I mean, he has nothing to his name, and he's got to figure out how to raise his son and do the internship and figure out where they're going to sleep, where they're going to stay. He goes to a friend's house um, to try to get some help, and the friend just really ends the relationship because of the way that it's handled. It just kind of stinks, and uh, then from there, you know, Chris is just trying to figure out what all he's going to be doing. And, um, you know, he's completely homeless. He's got nothing uh, to his name, no place to stay. And uh, he's trying to figure out what it is that he's going to be doing. And all the while, throughout this whole entire time, as the walls hit, Chris is still trying to figure out how is he going to pull off this internship. Well, let's check out this clip and see how he does. So Chris hangs up the phone and he runs to meet Mr. Ribbon. 
And uh, he has it all set up, but then he hits another wall. And the meeting gets delayed, and it's pushed back. Well, Chris ends up being able to, to meet with Mr. Ribbon. And although he doesn't get the, the contract and the client right away, he's able to sign about 30 accounts through that relationship. And Chris goes into his final interview, this time with a shirt on, and uh, he lands the job, and he's given the job at Dean Witter. I mean, it's just amazing. He hits wall after wall, but somehow he's able to stay on top. And not only was he able to maintain a relationship with his son through all of this, uh, but he ends up going to open up his own firm uh, in 1987, Uh, And it just explodes and it goes big. And then in 2006, he ends up selling a small portion uh, of a stock of a a share of that for like multiple millions of dollars. And I think now he's worth somewhere around $60 million. I mean, it's just unbelievable how many walls he had to, to hit and he gets through and somehow he just kept going. See, I think that you and I are more alike than with Chris Gardner than what we think. I mean, maybe not just the handsome mustache that he has, uh, but there's all kinds of things that, that we have in common. For, for example, we might not have to sell bone density scanners, uh, but we may lose our job or have some really difficult aspects of our job or maybe a certain person in our job that's difficult to work with. We, we may not, you know, lose our house, but we may experience a huge financial loss and a few financial crisis that we're just not sure how we're going to get through. And we may not have to raise our son in a homeless shelter, uh, but we may experience some difficult pain in our relationships that we have to figure out how we're going to deal with. Some of you this morning have walked in to this room and you're at a wall and you're experiencing some of that pain. So how is it that we get through that wall and how is it that we keep moving forward? Well, for me, often what happens when I get to a wall, one of two things happens. Uh, The first one is, is I just want to give up and I want to quit. The second thing is, is, is I try to figure that out on my own and I try to use my wit or my smarts to just try to, to fight through it. Well, unfortunately, both of those always lead to disaster. And I think that God is calling us to so much more on the other side, but how is it that we break through when we feel like we're at a wall? Well, here's what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Scripture and try to take some knowledge from that and see what God is trying to teach us. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 6. So if you brought your phone this morning and you want to pull that up or you brought an actual Bible, you can pull that out. And we're going to be turning to Joshua chapter 6. Now, let me just kind of catch you up on what's been happening in the book of Joshua. Uh, At the beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua hits a wall. Uh, And what I mean by this is that his leader, his mentor, his guide, Moses, dies. And this is a huge deal. In fact, the Israelites, uh, they cried and they mourned for like a month over this. I mean, this was a huge deal. Imagine that uh, the patriarch of your family dies and, and it's kind of up to you to lead your family. Or imagine that you're, the leader of your company just exits one day or is killed or dies and leaves you in charge. And now suddenly you've got to figure this out. This is kind of where we find Joshua. And God is pretty clear on what the command for Joshua is to do. He's pretty clear about what the instructions are. And he tells Joshua, he says, look, you need to be strong. You need to be courageous because what you're going to do is you're going to be leading the people, the Israelites, into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. And you're going to be the one to lead them through that. 
Well, uh, the thing is about the promised land is Joshua is pretty excited about that. I mean, he's already seen it. Uh, back several chapters ago, if you look back in the story, Joshua was sent in with about 12 spies, and he's one of those 12, and he's one of the two that comes back with a positive experience and a positive message. He says, let's go in, let's take it. And then in Joshua chapter 2, we see that Joshua actually sends in two spies into the city of Jericho, and uh, they're excited because they stay with Rahab the prostitute and she tells them just the circumstances are and she says, hey listen, you need to to come in and and take care of this. This is going to be a great time. So they give Joshua a great report and say it's time to take on Jericho. It's time to do this. So now by the time that we get to to the end of Joshua chapter 5, where we find Joshua is he's on the outskirts of Jericho. And he's starting to look the city over. And what he's doing is he's probably trying to think about where exactly he needs to take. What's going to be the weak point in the wall? This was a huge fortress. And suddenly this figure appears to Joshua. Now, people kind of fight about who it is that exactly appears to Joshua. But traditionally, we believe uh, that it's actually Jesus that appears to Joshua. Well, Joshua wasn't sure who it was at first either. uh, But then he realizes and he falls to his knees. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you a vision. This is holy ground. Prepare yourself. I'm going to give you a vision. And this is really the pinnacle. This is really the, the big peak of the book of Joshua, because what's going to happen in this moment is that Jesus is going to give Joshua a vision, and Joshua's going to have to decide what he's going to do. This is a very climactic point in the story. And so at the beginning of of chapter 6 is really the beginning of this vision. So let's turn to chapter 6, let's look at verse 1, and let's see what this vision has to say. Here's what it says. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Okay, so it says that the gates are securely barred. What this means is that the city of Jericho is ready for battle. They know something's coming. Nobody's going in. Nobody's going out. Now, when Jesus told Joshua that, I'm sure Joshua's probably starting to think, okay, so they're ready for battle, and Jesus is going to lay out the game plan of how we're going to fight and which wall we're going to go after first and which gate we're going to try to tackle. But that's not what Jesus says. In fact, there's a completely different message, and Jesus tells Joshua, he says, listen, this battle is actually already won. And the way that this battle is going to be play out, and the way that it's going to happen is actually nothing like what Joshua thinks it's going to. See, I think what happens when we start thinking about breaking through walls, and we have walls in our lives that show up, immediately we start thinking about fight. We want to, we want to figure out how we're going to fight through this wall. And when in reality, getting through walls has nothing to do with fighting and everything to do with trust and faith. See, the world is going to try to tell you to trust your gut. Trust your instincts. It's going to say, listen, if it feels good, if that's what you're supposed to do, that's how you should go. Maybe the world tries to tell you to trust your legacy, and you're saying, listen, it's your destiny that you need to go through and do this, and this is how you're going to do it. And because of your name and who you are and your family, it's going to work out this way. Or maybe, you know, the world tries to tell you to trust your work ethic. And if you just work hard enough, it's going to happen and it's going to work out. 
And see, I think that these are flaming arrows of lies that Satan tries to throw at us. One of the great strategies of Satan is what he tries to do is tries to convince us that faith is whimsy and whimsical and not really real. But what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, is he says, listen, you need to lift up the shield of faith. And what you need to do is use that shield and it will block all of the fiery arrows that the enemy is sending at you. And so he says, you need to trust me, lift up your shield. And he invites Joshua to do that. And here's how he invites him to trust him. This is verse 3. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So God is is giving the plan to Joshua. He says, this is what's going to happen. But the problem is, is the plan makes no sense. He's saying, you just show up, walk around the wall, the walls will fall down, and you go in. I mean, I would love to see Joshua's face when he tells him that this is what's going to happen, right? See, this is is what he's thinking, man, there's going to be a fight, there's going to be a battle, and Jesus says, "Uh, no, actually, the, the the battle's already been won, and all you have to do is focus on taking some laps, He's saying, you just worry about taking some laps. And I think this is where you and I often get stuck. See, we're on our way to the promised land. We're on our way to eternity. We know where it is that we want to go with God. But what happens is these walls pop up. For Joshua, it was the giant city of Jericho. I think for you and I, here's what it looks like. It looks like a broken relationship. It looks like a relationship we just don't think is going to work out. It looks like a financial crisis that we're not really sure how we're going to get out of. It looks like a $158 million building project that we're not sure if it's ever going to get built. We think that there's some problem with our work, and, you know, it's probably never going to get promoted. We're probably never going to move up. It's never going to happen. And we think to ourselves, how is it that we're going to get through this? And we have to have the courage to trust God's game plan when it doesn't make sense to us. And that's what faith is. Faith is not relying on our own reason, but it's having the faith that we can rely on God's strength and God's power. And that's exactly what he calls Joshua to do. He says, don't focus on the wall your focus is on the wrong place. See, let's go back and look at the instructions that he gives to Joshua in verse 4. Here, here's what it says. He says, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Now, the ram's horns are interesting to me because back when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son and God stopped that, it was a ram that was in the thicket. See, oftentimes a ram represents God's provision. But that's not all. It wasn't just soldiers and priests that were going to be going around the walls. There's something else there. There's the Ark of the Covenant. And the reason that this is significant is because the Ark of the Covenant uh, carried things like super important things like the manna and Aaron's rod and even the Ten Commandments. But primarily what it represented was God's presence. 
And what he's telling Joshua is he's saying, don't focus on the wall. Don't focus on your soldiers. Don't focus on anything else. Your eyes, your focus needs to be on God's presence as it's moving around the wall. He's saying, make sure you take God's presence with you around the wall. Don't focus about military strategy. Don't focus about how many soldiers and how many swords and all that stuff. He says, the most important thing is my presence, and that's where your focus needs to go. And here's the big idea. Here's what I think that God was telling Joshua. Here's what I think that God is telling you and I this morning. It's that if you want your wall to fall, you need to focus on God and not your situation. If you want your wall, whatever wall that it is that you come up to, if you want that thing to fall, you've got to put your focus on God and not the situation itself. See, we're all going to come across walls. Hitting walls is not something that happens to people who are unlucky. Hitting walls is something that happens to people who are moving forward. And in my 20s, I look back at my 20s, it reminds me of Chris Gardner. It's just like I kept hitting one wall after another. I was told, listen, you can't come back to college. You can't go to school here anymore. You've got to leave. And I had to say goodbye to all my friendships that I invested in, and most of them I was able to, to never rekindle. And I had to, to go and, and live with my, my parents, and in my frustration through that, I really picked up some bad habits and just hit these walls. And then I'm looking for the girl. I really wanted to focus on the girl and meet her, and I just kept landing in these really unhealthy relationships. And it's I had no faith and no sense of purpose or direction or any of that. And then that wall fell down because I met Jesus. And I found out that it's about a relationship. I found out that faith is not something that you just believe in, but faith is something that you can be in. It's about the relationship. And I was excited and I'm ready to move forward. And then all of a sudden another wall hits because I find out that all my credits aren't gonna transfer. And I find out that the internships that I really wanted to take that were guaranteed for me aren't gonna work out. And then that wall falls and I'm able to graduate college and I move out to Arizona and I'm super excited because I'm at this awesome church that I love. And then I hit another wall because I'm still searching for that girl and I land in some really unhealthy relationships. And then that wall falls because I meet the girl. I get to meet Claire. I get to meet my wife and I'm ecstatic and I'm in love and everything is happening. I'm moving forward. And then I hit another wall. To find out that Arizona is just not going to work out, and I really need to move back east, and we need to be close to family. And then that wall falls because I get to come to Charlotte, and I find out about South Park Church and this awesome church that God is doing things in, that God is moving in, that big things are coming, and it's exciting. See, in my 20s, I kept hitting these walls, but what I learned is that I don't get through those walls based off of relying on me and worrying about my ability. Now that I'm in my 30s, what I've learned is that I got through those walls because of my firm reliance on Jesus. That's what got me through, is God is saying, Kevin, I wanna lead you. You just need to take another lap. You need to just rely on me and focus on me. Don't focus on the situation. Don't worry about the situation. I'm doing things. I'm gonna make those walls come down, but you just gotta focus on me and take another lap. I love the way that 
Paul, our, this, this champion of our faith, is, this is the way that he kind of talks about this moving around a wall. He kind of relates it to a race, and here's what he says. He says, no, dear brothers. This is Philippians chapter 3. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what, to what lies ahead. I press on. He says, I focus on pressing on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And Paul tells us, he says, listen, if you want to run your race, if you want to learn to focus on God and not your situation, it's about pressing on. And he gives us two ways to press on. Here's the first thing he says. He says, forget the past. He says, forget the past. He says, don't worry about what's behind there. And some of you this morning, you've walked in and you're at a wall and you're remembering all these other walls that you've had to hit and all these pains and you're carrying all these burdens with you and you're really hurting because of that. But God wants to do something new in you and you just have to surrender that over to him so that he can do something new in you. And he's saying, just give that to me. Let me deal with your past. You forget the past. You, you press on and move forward. Some of you are just so worried about what God did for you 15 years ago that you're forgetting about what God is doing for you right now and you're missing it because you're so worried about the past and God is saying, press on. Let me take care of that. I wanna do something new in you. Here's the second thing Paul says. He says, look forward. He says, look forward. He's saying, if you want to press on, you've got to look forward. Christ is calling you to something new. He's calling you to something big. He's got big plans for you. He's got a promised land for you, but you've got to get through that wall. In order to do that, you've got to put your eyes ahead. Your eyes can't be to the left, to the right. Your eyes can't be on the side. Your eyes have got to be ahead. And with social media and everything else that happened, and here's what happens, is we begin to want to compare what God is doing with other people. And we want to compare how other people's races are going. But we've got to keep our eyes ahead. See, we think, you know what, but, but, but God, they didn't have to march around seven times for seven days, God, and why am I having to do this? And God's responding with, hey, and I'm not going to make their wall fall down like that with a blast of a trumpet either. He's saying, you run your race, you focus on what God, is, what I'm trying to do with you. He says, look ahead, focus ahead. So what's the big wall that you're at right now? Some of you have walked in and you're at a big fat Jericho wall and it's a financial problem. And you're thinking, I don't know how I'm ever gonna get through this. Some of you are at a relationship and you're like, this is broken. I don't know how this is all gonna work out. What's the wisdom here? What, what, what's gonna happen? Where's your focus? When you come to those walls, where's your focus? See, I think what God is trying to teach us this morning and trying to teach me is he's saying, don't focus on trying to break through your wall, but you focus on trying to walk around your wall. And you put your focus on me and I'm gonna handle it and I'm gonna deal with it. See, I can imagine those soldiers in Joshua's armies, they're walking around their wall. They're kind of tempted to kind of want to look off to the side and look at that wall. And it's like, no, Paul says to look ahead. He says, put your focus on God, what lies ahead. You focus on the presence of Jesus. I mean, I don't know where you're at in your journey. Some of you guys are just hitting your wall and you're on day one, lap one. And you're trying to figure out where it is that you're at. Take another lap. Focus 
on God through all of that. Some of you guys are halfway through, man. You've hit your wall and you've been going for a while, but you got some more to go. Take another lap. Focus on God through that. Don't worry about that situation. God's got that under control. Forget the past. Look ahead. Take another lap. Some of you guys are so close to your wall falling down and you are right there for it to be breaking through. You're on day seven, lap six, ready to go, ready to move forward but you're looking up at that wall. And instead of focusing ahead, you're looking up at that wall and you're thinking about how big that is and instead of thinking about how, God, how big God is. And God's saying, take another lap. Man, <laughs> we hit these walls sometimes and we just wanna give up. Maybe some of you there. Maybe you guys have just stopped marching altogether. And you hit that wall and you say, you know what? I'm just gonna start to learn to really like this side of the wall. I don't really need to be on that side in the promised land. I'm just gonna be right here on this side of the wall. And God is calling us to so much more. You will never be fulfilled on this side of the wall when God is calling you to the promised land. You will never be fulfilled on this side of Jericho. The only place that you are going to experience a rich life in Christ is when your focus is on God. And you're just taking another lap and you're saying, God, it doesn't matter how long it takes, I'm here, I trust you, I'm lifting up that shield of faith, I'm blocking those arrows of lies, and I'm just gonna keep taking another lap. I'm just gonna keep marching. Church, are you ready to take another lap? Can you turn your focus from the situation, from the wall, and start focusing on his presence. That's what he's inviting you to do this morning. And let me tell you this. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, down on the earth, and he let him live a perfect life and then be sacrificed on our behalf so that he could tear down the ultimate wall of our sin so that we could break through to the promised land and spend eternity with Jesus in his presence. That's how much God loves you. God is calling you to more, but you've gotta get through that wall. You've gotta get to the other side. What's it gonna take? The next time you come to a wall, the next time you get to this difficult situation, the way that you can test this on yourself is you're saying, okay, where's my focus right now in this moment? Am I focusing just on God and his presence through prayer and reading scripture? Is that the first place I turn to or am I turning to the wall? Where's your focus? Take another lap. God is inviting you to so much more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so many of us have walls. And God, we know that the only way that we want this wall to fall and the only way this wall can fall is if we just focus on you. God, I pray that you would just give us conversations, God, this week. God, I pray that you would just reveal scriptures to us. God, I pray that you would just put people in our life, God, to remind us. God, not to look to the left or to the right, God, but focus on our race and God, and focus on taking another lap and just being in your presence. And God, that is the only place that will be fulfilled. God, I lift these people up this morning. God, I pray that they would experience the power and the richness that comes with a relationship with you. God, show us, reveal to us 
as we walk around these walls.